<laughs> just to put ourselves on that platform. Greg Crow and Alice Boyd. Welcome, Alice. How are you today? Yo, yo. I'm good. How are we going, Crowy? Yo, yo. I feel like a bit of a rapper there. Who yeah, apparently. Apparently. If you, be, if you had to be a rapper, who like, first initial? Is it someone like Chingy? Is it 50 Cent? Is it old school Snoop Dogg? No, I gotta go like Lauren Hill or something, surely, you know, like go the girls. Oh yeah, yeah, the girls. Why TG? Uh, we have got a really exciting topic and one I know you're a little bit concerned about, Alice, because this podcast could go for seven days. It could. It's something you're passionate about. And we're talking in the lead generation space, B2B, or if you're not familiar with our cult-like talking business to business. Lead gen business to business. Just tell us, Alice, why are you so passionate about this? I think this is such a big, important um, topic that often gets brushed to the side, which I get a little bit, a little bit sad about, I'll say, um, because people often like to use other forms of lead generation, and, which is, of course, really important, um, but not enough attention and consistency gets put to B2B lead gen. And I think because it's scary and it can be intimidating and sometimes, you know, a bit of rejection and all these different things can make us feel a bit, uh, you know, not too keen to keep on going with it. But I really... Uh, know this process and love this process and I know it gets results so it's something that I'm passionate about helping people uh, remove some of the friction and make it easier for themselves so that they can do this really consistency and realize that it's actually not that difficult and it will pay off if you keep at it yeah that's exactly right isn't it will pay off if you keep at and that's the interesting thing about lead gen in the business of business space it's uh, if you do nothing you know it's going to happen nothing if you do something you don't know what's going to happen. You could land 10 clients the next two weeks. That two, those 10 clients might take two years. You don't know. It's not really your responsibility to know. It's your responsibility just to do it. So my first kind of point in and around here is the importance of lead generation. So in this lead generation space, it's so critical. I know everyone listening in here right now would have a bottom 10 or 15 or 20% of clients. They're like, oh, they are non-ideal. Maybe you've had them for a long time. Maybe they're on the old rates. Maybe they're slow payers. Maybe the work's average. Maybe you've moved on, but you haven't moved on and you need to replace them. That's going to happen at every single stage of business. Maybe what used to be profitable for you, that kind of work is now not profitable. Your team size has grown. You've been off, you've come off the tools. You've now got an admin team. And what you used to be able to achieve for a 30% profit margin for that client, now you same price is no profit margin and things need to shift, things need to change. So we always need to be um, moving the bottom 10, 15, 20% and replacing them with the top 10 or 15 to 20%. People that don't recognize uh, what your business used to look like. People that now can only see what it currently is. People that see the well-oiled machine and the operator and you off the tools and your staff size of this and your, and your ethics like this and all this kind of stuff and your van sign written and your professional. And it's just such a great thing to move forward that people see where people see you in that kind of light and your business is represented well. So replace that. It's really important. We consistently do that. And I often compare lead generation to uh, driving through a car park. You know, you might be in the red level, the green level, the purple level. It all looks the same. At every stage of business, business, business to business, lead generation will look the same. It's not going to look too different. It's got the same formula, that same philosophy, 
And I want to encourage everyone, while you think you might have been there before, don't stop, won't stop, as they say, as uh, many people say. And I love this. What do you think about this? You're only as good as what you were doing six months ago. Oh, big time. What is that? What does that like bring up for you? Big time. Um, like you were saying, Corey, like when you're, you know, focusing on lead gen and in this B2B space, of course, um, you know, planting the seeds for, you know, the future six months down the track, three months down the track, whatever it might be, because some of your, some of these wins are going to happen unexpectedly. Um, some of these wins are going to happen, yeah, in two months time, three months time, two years time. It's quite hard to predict um, when some of the work is going to come through. Sometimes it's more predictable, but not always. And so if you're planting the seeds um, so that you can, you know, sow that crop in six months' time, in 12 months' time, in two years' time, if you're always looking forward in the future and trying to trying to win work consistently in that way, that's the way that you're going to have a much more consistent flow of um, lead gen coming in. Yeah, we touched base on it in, I think it was last week's podcast, Finding Business Fast. When we talked about lead generation or the business to business space, isn't it's a slow burner. Yep. You know, it's not necessarily going to land you work tomorrow. It could, but more than likely, let's just say if you're in a service trade and you approach a builder or developer, right? And you've got to have to think about that. You're going to ask to quote something, you're going to quote something they haven't actually started yet. So you're going to put a quote together for a job that hasn't begun that they potentially might not have even won yet. So they've got to still win the job, demo. Um, sort out the temps, do the slur, all this kind of stuff. And then your service trade due for roughing, it might be three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine months from now. So if you can always have that philosophy, you're only as good as what you were doing six months ago, that means today matters. So today matters because it's going to matter in six months' time. And we would have to carry that kind of urgency in this space that we need to take responsibility for our business-to-business lead generation. It it's not something you can push to the wayside. It's so important. Growing your business, you need two things to have uh, a great business. You need more clients and you need more stuff. And they become the asset. The clients from the start become the asset. If the business is the asset, the asset is really the people that are giving you the work and the people that are actually doing that work. So it's always important to get more work and get better work. So Let's just, uh, for people listening in, Alice, lead gen B2B, what is it? Mm. I think of it as rather than waiting for the work to come to you or rather than trying to find, say, the leads coming through the door through something like digital marketing or whatever it might be, um, it's you going out there and winning the work through building relationships. So B2B, always try to think around, um, two people, yourself and someone else, you're doing business together. And how can you try to build that relationship so that you continue to do business together? So again, like I said, don't wait for the leads to come to you. You're going to proactively go out and get it in like, it's almost like a good old fashioned networking sort of way, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And I love what you said then about the, you just, it's a relationship, you know, mm. you're building relationships and there's only, I, I love to think around clients and that they're just the new clients just start a new relationship. That's it. It's a new relationship. And um, that's all business is. It's having good relationships in and around your suppliers, in and around your clients, in and around your staff. And there's no substitute for that solid relationship with people. And you might be starting that journey with businesses 
but just enjoy the process. So what is lead gen B2B? It's essentially when your business approaches another business and you guys start to do work together. So let's go through here. We know what it is. It's business to business. It's that kind of ongoing referral, ongoing work. Who are you targeting? Because my head goes straight to, you know, my head goes straight to, I want to target someone that's in and around my skill set. So if I've got a skill set in particular, um, let's say in, in a builder space, developer space, or service and maintenance space, or school space, or real estate space, I'm looking to leverage my existing success, my existing clients, and attack more of that work. So I'm looking at skill set. I'm looking at as well, who can give me a chip in or the toe in, as they like to say. So you know what it's like. I love to share this analogy Alice, if you called my brother now as just Alice, he'd be like, who, who the F is Alice, right? As they say. Is that a song? Yeah. A song. Yeah, yeah. Alice. Yeah. Great song. Uh, but if you called my brother now and said, oh, hey, I was, just on, I was just in a session with Greg, he'd be like, oh, cool. Immediate guard down, immediate guard drop because that relationship uh, is there. And so I think you've got to look at, where your skill set is, you've got to look at who's giving you a chip in or a tolling. Do you know someone that knows someone? Someone and once said to me, I know people that know people and I love it. But Alice, we had a chat briefly before this podcast and you were saying, um, you know, you had a bit of a differing opinion in, I'm thinking going down my skill set, but you were thinking, yeah, like why not branch out as well? Yeah, I, I actually think this is a really great space to, um, I guess, diversify where you're going in terms of the the lead gen from b2b um so something like you know looking at your existing skill set and a chip in that kind of builds into plays into the trust element so of course if you can explain to someone that you have experience in this area um i've already worked on you know this school, this school, this school, just for example. Um, I've worked with these, these property managers already. I see a lot of success in that space. Um, that kind of plays into the same element of trust when it comes to a chip-in. So, oh, yeah, I, Crowley, we're on a call together. I'm speaking to your brother. Oh, yeah, awesome. We, we all know each other. That's really cool. That's a chip-in. The reason why that's more comfortable and people are more willing to speak to you is because of that trust element. So it kind of plays into itself, which is nice. Um, there's the other side of um, the scale, which would be going in cold, of course, which we'll get into some mechanics and stuff soon. But diversifying who you're approaching, I think, can be really, really good. Um, had, approaching some businesses cold and from a range of different areas. So if you want to say target, let's say, let's say builders, if you're targeting all builders in that same space, but maybe you've never worked with builders before. So you don't have that trust element. You might not have a chip in, whatever it might be. Maybe let's think around how can we diversify this and think, of, think around other styles of business that I can approach and see if I'm going to, my, my skill set is going to match there. Um, so yeah, that, that could be schools. That could, it could be supermarkets. It could be hospitality. There's all these different businesses, but I guess see, I see it as spreading your risk a little bit rather than putting all your eggs in one basket where it's only people that you know, maybe only people you have a chip in. Whereas there's so many other people out there that you might actually be a really great fit for. 100% agree with the diversification. Um, just even in the, 
lack of materials we're seeing in the project space at the moment. If you solely had all your eggs in one basket, you could drop the basket, crack the eggs. If you've got three baskets, you limit your liability on an individual basket. So I'm a big fan of picture your business. I've just drawn it. If you're watching this, picture your business as a man or woman with three arms. There should be a service and maintenance section. There should be a project section and there should be an hourly rate section. Now, why not? They might not be three separate sections. Obviously, it's all the umbrella. You should be able to, to succeed in all three of these because we know the big jobs lead to the small jobs. In other words, the projects lead to the service and maintenance all the time. And the service and maintenance leads to the projects. And you can't, sometimes you can't just go around the corner of existing clients without getting that hourly rate or cost plus or Lambo, as we like to call it, job. And you've got to be able to put your best foot forward in that situation too. The best business is a diversified one. One that's not, um, when I say diversified, I'm not talking about, you know, you, you, you dabble in six things average. You know, like, oh, I do this and I do a bit of this and I do a bit of this. I'm a bit of a, a, bit of a jack of all trades. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about being able to handle and maintain small jobs and large jobs. It's really, really, really important that um, your business is able to diversify. And look, there's, um, there's a lot of money, to be honest, in service and maintenance work. If you can handle that well, that's where you can really achieve what we like to call efficiency. And it's like quality of billable hours. In other words, if service and maintenance stuff is quoted correctly, you should be getting the end of the eight-hour day achieving 12, 13, 14 billable hours because your good operators have far exceeded your, your cost times. In a project, that becomes harder to do. You know, you're hard, you're, in a project, you're going to be very rarely achieving sort of 9, 10, 12, 13, 14 billable hours in an eight-hour day because it's uh, a more competitive space. The job's larger. You're not able to, you've got less room to move sometimes. On the cost plus, there's no reference for efficiency. It's just an hourly rate and billable hours. That's it. So if you're a really good operator or you're a really average operator, you probably get paid in and around the same. Is that a bad thing? Not necessarily. Sometimes why are you not going to able to achieve 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 hours? You're always going to achieve eight. So you just got to be able to put your best foot forward. You've got to understand how this stuff works and you've got to understand what your business sort of like, what your skill set is, but also what your skill set needs to be. Mm. It's no good if you talk about, say, sport, or anything in life, it's no good staying where you're at, right? We always want to be going, oh, just because I'm good at that doesn't mean I can't be good at five other things. Your business needs to grow with you. Your business needs to expand with you. And I just don't, um, you know, if you're not good with people, you need to get good with people. So there's no point going, oh, I'm just never been good with people. If you don't have a service and maintenance on your business, it's no use just saying, oh, I've never, I've never been good at that. It's like, well, we need to get good at it. If you don't have a project arm, it's no use just saying, oh, yeah, I've, done it. I've never never liked it, never gone to that. Why don't we just get good at it? And that's where we see it, our peak performer program. We will literally coach you through all this stuff. And it's not as hard as you sort of uh, might think it is. There's plenty of different tips and tricks for each arm. But who are you targeting? That's up to you. It's another business that's going to give you ongoing work, either in your skill set or in a skill set that you want. Critical stuff. And I'm sure everyone listening here right now would be able to list me five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten people they want to work with in their local area. You 100% should know. And if you don't know, you really need to know. So we're going off the fact that, that you know what business to business referral or lead gen is. 
you know who you're going to target. And if not, after this session, just take some time, take five or 10 minutes, start to brainstorm, start to Google, start to drive around and open your eyes. Look at the building site there. Look at the school around the corner. Look at the shop that needs this. Look at the commercial bakery on the corner. Open your eyes. Open your eyes. It's all there. There's a lot of work around. Don't be insecure. But, um, but how do we do it, Alice? We've recognized, let's say we know who we want to work with. And um, what do we do? How do we go about it? What, what's yeah. the next step? I found my business. Found who I'm going to target. <laughs> what do I do? It's all about getting prepared. And by the way, I have to preface this with don't spend so long getting prepared that you keep putting off actually doing the work. Okay. Cause we will get that to that as well. Um, so get prepared. Yeah. So think around the different ways that you need to contact a business. Of Are you going to sing the scar be prepared song? From the oh line my thing? God. I, I listen, I wouldn't even be able to do that. How sad I need to go back and like, Rewatch my group. I'm gonna draw him, but that is just awful. Like awful I'm drawing. It's like beautiful artistic abilities for like an iPad. I sort of, I'm, I've got pretty messy writing. It's looking good to me, Chloe, but little lines. Star's gonna be. I mean, I've already utilized the brown or orange. Pretty good. Good enough. Close enough. enough. Be prepared. Yeah. <laughs> So um, think around the different ways that you need to contact a business. And I'm thinking here, uh, let's say maybe you are going in cold or we'll say a little bit warm, yeah? So maybe you've got a little bit of a chip in, okay? Um, some of the different ways that you would reach out, of course, would be a cold email. Yeah. So in terms of getting uh, being prepared to actually do that, maybe sit down and draft up a cold email that you that you could use multiple times yeah change change a few little things around here and there but if you have that nice template you know it'll only take you five minutes to write one up that's being nice and prepared so that you can repeat that process a lot um other ways that you would reach out of course would be like a cold call like a cold phone call okay. yeah so with emails i mean um or phone calls if it was let's just say what 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 would you what would what you do change if you had a chip in or no chip in? Would you always email first personally, or would you always call first? Or where, where do you land on on that front? This is a pretty um, interesting little space, and it it's quite debated. I think that everyone has their personal approaches. Um, different salespeople will tell you different things. Um, I think that there's a lot of merit to warming someone up. We call this like the um, awareness stage. Uh, we talk a lot about this in our incubator program and of course in peak performance as well. So um, making someone know that you exist. So, you know, creating awareness is going to be really, really important. So something like an email or maybe, you know, some social media interaction, whatever it might be that I would usually call part of the awareness stage. For me, I really like that. I think that it makes someone know that I'm around. I'm going to come keep prodding them with a little stick maybe. Um, I would do that personally before I then start to cold call or do something like a cold drop-in. Um, yeah, so you, you would recognise that. Uh, and this is kind of why it is so important to have Instagram and have Facebook mm. in a business sense and have a website, obviously, because you know, if you reached out to someone and you think about your own habits, if, if you, if someone reached out to you and said, Oh, Hey, it's Joey Jojo, you know, we would, and, and they had a product that you wanted or you wanted to get a price on, you would 
really possibly just go, I'll check out their Insta. I'll have a look at their website. It's probably between Insta and website, depending on your age and your social aptitude, maybe. So it's really critical that um, we've got ours firing. And I said this the other day in, in a session, a photo tells a thousand words. You know, so you don't have to have your Instagram pumping for the last five years. You could just have 10, 15, 20 photos on it that someone could look at and they can say, oh, these, these, these people can handle high-end work or these people can do service and maintenance work or these people can do this. So they should be able to look at your photos and determine your capability from those photos. Really, really important stuff. Also on your website, side tracking, your website has to reflect you. So many people's websites don't reflect what they actually do. They might be in the project space and the website looks like they're service and maintenance lords. Or they might be service and maintenance lords and that looks like they're in a project. So just make sure that your website reflects what you and your team are good at and are continue to be uh, be good at. So yeah, so would you go would you job read in person if you had that? local area staff what, what what would you do personally so again this is something that i think it depends on the person you've kind of got to find your groove which is one of the reasons why i think nothing compares to getting out there and doing it at some point um some people have this really like structured kind of like i always uh interact on social media then i email then i call then i drop in you know, in different industries, depending on who you're targeting, maybe that doesn't work that well. I think that you need to find your groove depending on the sort of person you're, you're targeting. Um, if you were to target, say, the school principal, I think that would be pretty weird and a bit creepy if you turned up first go cold drop in, maybe without calling first to see you know, to see if they're available. Um, whereas some other industries, maybe like a property manager, I know that a lot of people find success with, say, sending a cold email and then doing a cold drop-in, okay? Or, or doing a phone call and then doing a cold drop-in. Like, there's no set way to do it. The, the whole, I think the biggest takeaway would be find your groove, uh, stick at it, like make sure that you go through the different motions because some people respond well to say a phone call or an email other people don't respond so well to a cold email like crowy let me ask you this if if someone was to email you like any marketing company any kind of whatever a wholesaler whatever it doesn't matter if someone were to email you what, what would you do do you do you get back to them or what would you do i mean i wouldn't look at it to be honest it's interesting exactly. To know it, isn't it? And, you know, if, if something pops into your inbox and it's like, hey, can we work together? You pretty much just think it's spam. Like, delete, 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 delete. But if you've got, you may have made that phone call or popped in in person first and all of a sudden, hey, I'm Greg. And then an email from Greg comes in later that night. Perfect. They go, oh, that's Greg. They can put maybe a face, the name. And I think it's good to have something of, you know, someone can look at a photo underneath like you got a photo and a signature or a photo on the website or an insta someone could face to name is a really critical sort of component to the whole thing it personalizes it but interesting to note i was just thinking when you were talking before about how do you do it you know is it email first is it call first is it popping in person and sometimes you can get quite overwhelmed and i don't don't think you can necessarily have a black and white rule on it because everyone's method and form of communication is a little bit different. You know, if you were going to pop in and see me before me getting the ready, ready for the kids to go out one day, it's a train wreck, right? You're going to be popping in at quarter past eight. I'm like, I just don't have time for the, like, can you please get out? This is not a good time. Uh, also, 
people's preferred method of communication. When I was back in trading land, I would prefer phone call. Phone call, phone call, phone call. I could answer every single phone call that ever happened. I could get back to text messages really well. You come and put yourself into my world now in, in sessions in Zoom all day. I have to be really, I can't answer every call. I can't get back to every text. It's very different. So things have got to be scheduled. Things have to look different. And if someone called me at 11 or 12 or 1, I might be in a session. I can't move it. It's not like I could be not going to be driving in five minutes time, whatever. So every single personal business might be a little bit different, but I would encourage everyone if definitely email is the post phone call or in-person pop in because you've now got a reason for being in the inbox. And that's really, really important that, like I said, you can't be confused with spam now. Mm-hmm. So yeah. What- like, I think that's so important, Croy. Um, people respond differently to different things. If I was to cold call you at 11 a.m., you wouldn't answer because you're maybe in another session, whatever it might be. Um, whereas for some people, they might love a phone call any time of the day because they don't want an email ever because, you know, I'm a little bit like that. I don't, I get too many emails. I don't like it. Whereas say a property manager might think I'm busy right now don't call me can you send me an email I want to look over the proposal that you've sent me and then I'll and then I'll chat to you on the phone later okay everyone deals with these things really differently and so I think it's just being aware of uh, there's all these different forms of communication you need to find the right groove for, for you and for that potential client so don't give up don't stop just because someone doesn't reply to your email I don't reply to emails I sometimes do. Depends who it's from. Sometimes I open it, then I delete it. Other times it stays unread for a long time. That, that doesn't mean anything. I could be your ideal client. So, you know, you got to keep at it. Give me a call the next day, whatever it might be. And even um, even not worrying about an instant callback from someone. So an email might land in a property manager's inbox. Email might land in that ideal client. It might be, we've had so many situations of of emails being sent this business business stuff being you know done really well handled with a phone call sent with a follow-up email call the next day nothing 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 six months later oh hey i got a job for you so it's like it's some of the coolest stories come out like that and it's okay if they never made that phone call never sent that email then what they miss the client you miss the client you miss the the growth you miss the potential new staff you miss the uh, replace of the bottom 15 to 20% of your client base. It's really important. I was actually just going to um, quickly read one of my sort of basic B2B emails. This is what we worked through in our peak performers with people. I'll just give this one to you guys because I'm feeling generous, feeling kind. I would write something like this. I would call, call first. And when you call, you're introducing yourself just saying a bit about what you do. You don't want to take a lot of their time. You don't necessarily even want to ask them if they have time. Just like, hey, <laughs> just a bit about me. I've got my friend Gary does this. He introduced us. We are this, this, and this. You want to hit those pain points, right? You want to be hitting, listen to this email template, and then you can kind of see how I would have framed it up on the phone. Hey, insert company name here. Great to touch base on the phone earlier. As discussed, we are a growing insert your trade company based in insert your suburb we've been operating for xxx years and have a staff size of xxx now in this we've been operating for so many years and have a staff size of so many we're hitting pain points here 
So if you want to get in with someone who has a lot of work, then you'll need essentially a reputation, i.e. operating for quite some time, and you'd need a staff size. And that would make them feel comfortable that you are capable to handle the work, right? If you might be, I'm just new in business, you might pick your other strong suit. I've been in the trade for X amount of years. I'm doing this. You might not have been in the trade for very long. Then pick something that you're passionate about. Now go with me here for the next, I love this next little uh, two sentences. We pride ourselves on an old fashioned customer service and good quality work with good quality materials. We always answer the phone and always turn up on time. Now, obviously these can be useless words, but you've really got to you got to practice what you preach here, but you can see how I'm hitting pain points. We pride ourselves on old-fashioned customer service. We use good, good quality materials and we do good quality work. Already I'm hitting pain points. No doubt this school, this real estate, this developer, this builder, this client has had shoddy something happen in the past year and they're like, that's a punish. I need to change here. So you're hitting pain points here. Now I love this one too. Our existing clientele include, and this is where you, if you want to get into the real estate, list other real estates. If you want to get in with more builders, list other builders. If you want to get in with whoever, list where your skill set is. We've worked on this projects and list the projects if you've got them. So you're pretty much showing that you're capable here. We would love the opportunity to work together. Would there be anything in the pipeline that we could quote on or anything else we can do for you and your company? Please feel free to reach out to me anytime on insert phone number here. So from that, you can kind of see how my phone call would go. I would call introduce myself, tell them why I'm on the phone. We're looking to work together. I'm looking to partner with more people who share the same ethos as me, who want to do good quality work with good quality materials. I know that's you. I'm looking for uh, someone who wants peace of mind in their trade tradesman or tradeswoman. Um, and people want that. So you, when you're in your call, you're hitting those pain points, you're knocking it out of the park, and then you're kind of following that up in their email template. Alice, I know you're really big about asking for the sale, you know, asking for a quote, asking for, is it, hey, where can we work together? Oh, yeah. Talk yeah. us through that. Or, you know, I, I have this um, thing where when it comes to sales, you should always go into any sort of sales interaction, whether that be an email, a phone call or a face-to-face -face interaction. Um, you should always go in with some sort of sales objective. And if that objective is, as some, is something as simple as asking when a good time for me to swing by would be or when is a good time to grab a coffee together to chat about this further or you know it'd be really cool I can drop some information over at your office is there a good day for me to swing by um yeah is there anything that I can quote on have you got any projects that you'd like me to have a look over whatever it might be asking and and of course once you've had that actual meeting ask for sale like let's do work together when are we doing this but if you've always got some sort of sales objective you're going to get further than if you just go into it with this uh almost like nothing kind of email or a nothing kind of phone call or drop in i'm gonna say nonchalant but i don't really even know what that means but it sounds <laughs> like it, it sounds like it fits the script Let's go with it. Let's go with it. Uh, don't yeah. say nonchalant. Um, but if you, if you go into something with like a, you know, you're in an email, you're not, this isn't, this is different to say like an awareness campaign or some sort of. Oh, here you go. Here you go. Feeling or appearing casually calm and relaxed, right? That's nonchalant. Not displaying anxiety. That's a good thing. But not yeah. displaying interest or enthusiasm. 
So exactly what you said, just that kind of, oh, yeah, man, yeah, cool, you know. Yeah. yeah. Just airy-fairy. Like, no one wants to work with that person. You want intensity. Yeah, well, exactly. Scare them away. No, I'm kidding. Um, yeah. But we want to, you know, rather than just going into something with the, um, no objective and saying, like, cool, well, anyway, this is my business and, okay, I'm here, great, bye, and not actually just saying, this is what we do, this is what we're good at, um, I'd love to chat further, or let's work together. It's just asking the question. So always going in there with some sort of objective and getting you a little bit closer to that sale. Even if you don't get the sale today, you're probably not going to close the deal on some crazy big project over a cold email if you've never spoken to them before. That's okay though. If the objective is to just say, let's catch up sometime or I'd love to give you a call sometime, whatever it is, you're getting a little bit closer. Yeah, you're just chipping away, aren't you? Climbing the mountain one step at a time. I like so, playing the um, game, you know, playing the long game. Playing the long game. And it's really critical that we are able to, massive thing in all my sessions, I always ask everyone, have you got a good product? And everyone's like, yeah, I own the best. I own the best tradesman that's ever lived, right? And, and I'm the, we're the best company. And we, okay, you have to believe that. There's got to be that core belief system that, I am really good at my job and people need to know about it. And I know everyone here listening in is good at their job. Why? Because you're putting in the additional effort and listening to this in your car or you might be running or you're going for a walk or you're after hours listening. Like you're putting in the work to get excellent. And that's really, really important. But people need to know about it. Where does the confidence come from? The confidence comes from that, like that knowledge that you're you've got a good product that knowledge that there's no one better for you than me that knowledge that like i am going to look after this client and i'm going to treat them like i would anyone else and we are going to do long-term work together and i love that theory that long-term clients need a long-term mindset right we're not looking for short-term clients we're always looking for long-term clients we're not looking for short-term staff we're looking for long-term stuff. We're not looking for short-term relationships. We're looking for that long-term relationships at any given stage across your business. So how do you do it? You just got to do it, right? So closing <laughs> it out and uh, and wrapping up, what do we do now? So someone's listened to this call. They're now aware of business to business, lead generation. They're now aware of sort of people they want to target. They're now aware of sort of how to do it. What do they do now? What do they do now? Well, you just sort of mentioned it, Corey. Just do it. I knew you were going to say that. Did I, just, <laughs> did, I just, did I just lay that up for you? I did, didn't I? Yeah, just I love it. it. Good segue. Um, but that's the thing. There's so many different, there's so many excuses and reasons that we can create in our heads. And when I say excuses, I mean that in a nice way, by the way. I know that this is really intimidating, kind of scary work. Um, but when you rip off the Band-Aid, you've prepared, you've, you've decided who you're going to target. You've prepared yourself to go do it. Once you actually do it a few times, it becomes a lot easier. The nerves go down a lot. You're going to become better at it. I mean, of course, yeah, you're in the right place, right? Um, our academy is a place for us to learn and improve things like sales skills, marketing skills, efficiency, all of these things. You're in the right place. So learn all of these different skills um, that we discuss, you know, week in, week, week out um, and just do it. You're prepared. You've just got to start and it'll become a lot easier once you get that practice in. Yeah, I think exactly what you said. What do you do now? You just do it, right? And 
you're not born excellent communicating. Communicating, that was the worst sentence to describe what I wanted. We're not born excellent communicators. We're not born excellent in speaking in around finances. We need to train ourselves. We need to put ourselves in the position to potentially get rejected, to potentially get knocked back on that quote. And I just want to highlight here that, you know, if you've sent two or three or four or five or six quotes in a row and you've been knocked back, that can have a detrimental effect on your confidence. I'm scared to send that quote. I'm scared to contact the client in case it's too expensive. Is it too expensive? It's too cheap. I don't want to win the job because it might be too cheap. I don't want to lose the job. I might be like, I just, I don't know. And you can kind of get in this second guessing state where you just freeze and you don't really want to send anything. You don't really want to. I remember genuinely being scared about opening my email on Sundays. I'm like, oh my gosh, has someone written back? And most of them wrote back, go, yeah, great. When can we do the work? And I, but I was expecting this doom and gloom because I had maybe one or two bad experiences out of a hundred. So I want to encourage everyone that fear of rejection, that insecurity, you just got to push through it. You got to grab your business in your hand. Here you go. You go. What are you saying? I mean, actually, you know, um, Mitch made one of the other coaches, he made a really good call last week. He was like, has anyone ever died from cold calling? He like asked our, you know, people in the call, he's like, has anyone ever actually had a heart attack and died from cold calling? Everyone's like, no, of course not. It's like, okay, so what's the worst thing that's going to happen? You're going to talk to someone who's a little bit cranky on the phone. Maybe they're going to hang up on you. Who cares? It doesn't really matter. Um, like, Crow, what you, what you were saying around no one's born a good communicator. No one's born good at sales. No one's born good at, you know, plumbing or electrical work or cleaning. Like you don't come out of the womb and all of a sudden you can, I don't know, install a ceiling it's fan. Pair applies. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So in the same way, you need to, you know, develop these skills, learn these skills, improve them. And the way that you do that is through practice and just getting in there and doing it. And I actually said, I'm pretty sure I said, no one's born good communicating. <laughs> this is so good. Oh my gosh. So listening up. What do you do from here? You just do it. You target someone that you want to work with. You look at those ideal clients. Why not you? Why can't you be their contractor? Why can't you get that ideal client? Why aren't you putting yourself in that position? Well, you got to, I listened to this podcast the other day and it said, if you are not, so for me personally, if I'm not coaching the, if I don't have that confidence to coach the, the top dogs, then I shouldn't be here. You know, and I'm like, that's a really good point. If you don't have that confidence to do that excellent work, if you don't have the confidence to attack that ideal client, then you shouldn't be here. You've got to have that confidence. You've got to find that from within somehow and just go for it. It's on you. It's on your shoulders. I think there's something really powerful about that being on your shoulders because when it's on your shoulders, it's your responsibility to go after and always bet on yourself. It's the safest place, the safest thing to do because you'll uh, make it happen. That's what business owners do so final wrap up alice b2b lead gen yeah business relationships are never going anywhere they're going to continue and they're going to be one of the most valuable ways for you to actually grow your business if you get in there and just do it and if you do it consistently if you work at it improve and keep doing it even just a little bit every single week and you're going to see your business scale Awesome advice. My advice as well. Um, it's really interesting. I think you've got to know what's who you're targeting and your ideal. So let's say if you were a one or two or three man band or woman band, you wouldn't target someone that needed a lot more people than that. 
you would sort of target in and around your capability, right? Now get this, when you target around your capability or just above your capability, you give that client confidence that you can handle the work. But here's, here's the best thing. In five, 10 to 15 to 20 years time, that business you targeted will have doubled, tripled, quadrupled 10 times, 20 times. So you will grow with them. And that's what I underestimated in growing a business was that my clients grow too. So yeah, that person might give me one or two jobs a year now, but in five years time, that's going to be eight, nine or 10 jobs. Yeah, that person's giving me this much work now, but as their business grows, they need uh, more bakeries, they need more cafes, they need more equipment, they need more of this, they need more of that, right? It's, it's crazy. So don't underestimate the scaling power of other people's businesses and the effect that will have on your business. So where do you start? You just start, you rip and tear and get it done. It's the best thing ever. Thanks for joining us. You guys have been amazing. And we hope that you find your ideal clients and we hope that you reach out to the Academy. We've got three different levels to our coaching. One is Mastermind Platform, which is a Thursday night session and all the content you could ever wish for. The second is Incubator, a 12-week crash course in business. It's a non-negotiable for anyone at any stage of business or any size business. And then we've got our peak performance program a hybrid of group slash one-on-one coaching. And we are seeing huge things happen in that space. So reach out, get in contact. We'd love to hear from you. And thanks for hanging out wherever you are. See ya. Bye. So if you're loving the podcast, please share with your friends, anyone that's thinking about starting a tradie business or got a large tradie business. We help everyone from startup all the way up to million dollar plus months. We'd love to help you too. And lastly, it would mean a lot if you could leave a review on the player that you're listening to this on. It helps us get it out there and help more tradies in business perform better and create better lives for themselves.